Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, and today I am joined by Kyle Andrew Lira. I will ask Kyle how he is doing in just one second, but before we do anything today, I want to address uh, the elephant in the room. Happy birthday, Kyle Lira, who we couldn't uh, actually... Uh, address in the last episode because it hadn't been your birthday yet. For those not aware, Kyle's birthday coincides with Julius Caesar's, which was <laughs> being stabbed, right? That was the Ides of March? The Ides um, of March. <laughs> beware the Ides of March. <laughs> which has always been an interesting time. You know, I, I gotta tell you, and we're gonna get into it, but like a lot of weird things always happen around your birthday. Yeah. I remember that Peter and I were actually quite depressed um, a few years ago during the um, the primaries, the 016, right? The 016 presidential primaries where um, Bernie Sanders was devastated in like four out of five states. And then like, we'll just blame it on Kyle. It's his birthday anyway. Um, and then of course, some weird news happened today, uh, which we'll get into. But, uh, of course, on behalf of everyone here, uh, we wouldn't be doing this broadcast without you. Thank you so much and happy, uh, birthday, you old goat. And, and thank, and to some extent, thank my mom too, cause she pushed right. my big head out. So, yes, absolutely. Although we do have to correct the record. Um, you're as old as you are. You're still not as old as Alexis Moreno. Oh yes, yes. Now that's an old goat right there. <laughs> I mean, uh, an old goat that she has to constantly, uh, you know, she constantly up a forgets wig. her age. But you know, well, well, she forgets her wig. Really, think about it. All right. Um, and I also want to address the other elephant in the room. This is the first official podcast we have done for Red Spotlight in two weeks. That is the longest stretch of time in like months that we haven't had a well, podcast. If you consider other things like in our past, uh, in our past, there has been stretches of time. Oh, uh, that's right. Oh, well, you're going way, way back there. Way I mean, back, like, yeah. uh, in in the in the past year or so, this has been one of the longest stretches of time where we haven't had anything new uh, on the feed, and a lot of things have happened. The Academy uh, Awards have happened. A lot of the news yeah. we'll be discussing today, an Endgame trailer happened, which will be on the show yeah. this time. So a lot of things have happened, but I want to make sure that uh, I apologize so, for it's so back. Gwen Stefani is Holla. <laughs> there. I have to say, Kyle, you know, this is the 162nd episode, and that may have been the flattest joke you've ever told. Oh, my. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. I want to wow. say, I want to apologize for everyone for not having a show out. Personally, my uh, other career, or my actual career, uh, prohibited me from having a show uh, as well as other factors, Peter Martinez has been extraordinarily busy with his 300 jobs. Um, currently, right now, he tells me he is failing a, uh, a anatomy test. Um, so there's that. Uh, also, technology Did has not been a say anatomy? <laughs> yeah, Kyle is horny, all right? I, that's all I got to say, because he, he keeps... <laughs> Well, you keep throwing out euphemisms that I don't know what to say at this point. I, I'm not horny. I'm just okay. I'm just okay. goofy. 
All right, fine. Okay. Anyway, Peter also has some technological issues with his computer uh, because, of course, we were actually in the midst. Because why not? We were in the midst of going to going. We were going to attempt the Captain Marvel review for this show, and then (laughs) it just crapped out. Talk about Um, flat right there. No, seriously, it really did. Um, so we've, we've kind of been having an unfortunate number of issues, but we are getting, uh, uh, some things back up on here. And of course we're going to have a Marvel themed show for you, uh, today, uh, a lot of things to discuss. Um, but before we go, uh, into today's show, I want to also remind you is we will not be discussing Captain Marvel here. And that is why the official Captain Marvel review for our, all our podcasts will be exclusively on the Fantasy Fair podcast with Kyle Lira, Alexis Moreno. Much akin to the streaming rights. It's exclusively in something associated with <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Kyle Kyle got the exclusive uh commentary rights for Captain Marvel. Uh, it's the exclusive the uh, exclusive broadcast rights uh played right, by uh, right. Jonathan Price. Uh go watch Tomorrow Never Dies. I don't understand. Okay, I think it was James Bond, but I'm not going to ask or pry too much into that. Um anyway, the review features of course Brie Larson's number one fan, Kyle Lara. It also features me the Marvel Cinematic Universe's former bitch boy, uh, Alexis Soto, and currently the oldest woman in the world, Alexis Moreno. Yep. So we have an <laughs> we had an amazing time. I thought it was a pretty good review, and we also discussed other things. And it, it actually ended up being the one of the longest episodes of the Fantasy Fair, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it wound up to uh, be like two hours, a little under two hours. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I think I was kind of having like a midlife crisis um, at the end of that episode because, you know, I mean, I exaggerated, of course. I mean, as I usually do. But in that episode, I think why I would recommend a lot of you guys to go and listen to that is because, you know, Alexis, Kyle, and I have been doing these kind of podcast shows for almost five years now. Yeah. And, it all, and it dawned on us at the same time because like, this year, 2019, is the culmination well, of so many things closing. More on, uh, more on Moreno's side because, uh, of course, she is a geriatric. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Um, okay. Uh, so... I definitely recommend uh, hearing uh, the Fantasy Fair and, of course, the regular programming. And if I'm not mistaken, Dumbo's coming up pretty soon, right? Mm-hmm. Is that next week or is that in two weeks? I think next week. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check it. Oh, are you – okay, we need to clear some things up. Are you going to go see Us? Jordan Peele's movie, Us. Oh, I was like, uh, Us? What, yeah. What, oh, oh, I, my God. Who Who's Us? We need to talk about us. We need to talk about us. <laughs> no. no, no, no. Oh my god. god you're, yeah, it really was. At least you admit it. It was terrible. Uh I'm shit, guys. I'm sorry. Uh I'm I'm I yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are coming up. I mean, I'm not. You don't have to see. I'm just asking you if you're gonna go see it. Yeah, because there's like a shit ton. I have to. I have to go see Dumbo. I have to see 
uh, there, there's a lot of movies that, uh, because I'm on the fantasy fair, uh, that I'm obligated to see. Um, but I'm also surprised at some movies that you've skipped so far. I'm surprised that you skipped out on Lego Movie 2 and you skipped out on Dragon 3. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of been, it's kind of been hectic. And plus I've been keeping up with, uh, uh, the fantasy fair and also in a transition of kind of moving. Uh, uh, so, Mm. so there's, there's just a bunch of different things that I'm, that I'm prepping for and it's just life, life, life. Yeah. Well, actually I got to tell you something. I haven't told you this before. That doesn't mean I'm not going to see it, but I I just want to. No, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Breaking news. Um, And this is news to Kyle. I actually went to go see How to Tame Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Oh, really? What did you think Mm -hmm. of it? Did you cry? Oh, um, this, I'm not going to get into the details of the movie. What I will say to you is, Kyle, you need to bring... A box of tissues. Good lord. You're, you're gonna need to bring a box of tissues, and I'll tell you this. It's a very, very good movie. It's not as great as the first two, but it is an excellent, closer. excellent trilogy closer. It's like the Return of the Jedi to the Empire Strikes Back. Okay. That's the best way you can is put there it. fucking and teddy bears running, running around no, and shit. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm no look. Uh, it's a joke. I just. This is, this is, uh, the last hurrah of Hiccup and Toothless. Uh, and, you know, when you see, uh, this has almost like been like a 10 year journey with these movies. Yeah. These movies are so highly underrated, vastly underrated. I think they're some of the best animated movies that have been made this century. Clearly, I think far and above, for me anyway, I think that trilogy is the pristine trilogy of the DreamWorks animation department. That's just me anyway. And this right here, while the story is not exceptional, what the character work is, and I'm going to tell you something, the last 10 to 15 minutes, I was fighting so hard. Like there were, there were moments that happened, um, you know, you know, the kind of moments of the happy kind of crying, right? And like my, it's, it, it, it felt like, you know, there were tears that were trying to punch their way out of my eyes. Um, it sneaks up on you. Like it's oh, the shit. kind of breaking kind of crying and like, I love this franchise, but you absolutely adore it. And you grew yeah. up with it in a lot of ways, or it's been a part of you and you relate so much to this more than I do. So I can, and there are moments with toothless and, and hiccup that are going to Just, devastate you, Kyle. Oh. It's <laughs> maybe there's a cosmic reason why I, I, I've <laughs> taken so long to see it then, but it's like, it's a, it's, it's a good, it, it's the happy kind of cry, you know? Okay, tears it's of not, joy. Yes. Okay. It's <laughs> it's uh but it's it's pretty great. I, I actually liked it a lot and uh, it's staying with me. So Well that's I, good. I, it has I, staying yeah. power and that's a mm-hmm. that, that's a telling sign of a, of a of a good film is that it has impact. Right. Especially when you think about like the last movie came out in two thousand fourteen and the first film was two thousand ten. Yeah. That's crazy. Very crazy. So whenever you get the chance to see it, uh-huh. I'd love to have you back on and then talk about that movie. But right. from what I can, from, for my money, it was well worth it. Um, and all the things you expect to be great about it are going to be great. Um, but it, it does get 
very, very emotional. Um, and John Powell saves some of the best soaring moments of the score for last. I'll tell you that. Oh shit. Um, okay. Yep. I mean, it's just like, you're going to love it. It's as simple as that. So, um, and then of course us will be the horror movie, Jordan Peele's new horror movie. Um, I'm going to try and go see it this weekend. Okay. I think I'm sure Peter will go see it this weekend. We might do a review on that. On that as well, Alita: Battle Angel, another film that I think you would have loved, uh, but I'm sure you're you're marking these down whenever they come out on home, on home video. Yeah, but that that one for sure is one I think uh, that you would also be interested in. Um, and and by the way, uh, before I, I get into, and this is going to be not so much of a structured episode. I think you can already tell about that, but um, to kind of you know. Uh, <laughs> Build off of what we had said about our Captain Marvel review on Fantasy Fair. Uh huh. Um, I'm so happy. Um, it's almost crossing a billion. That's exactly what I'm going to point to. I'm happy how well it's doing. And I actually, you know, because we had this ep- an episode on on this show several weeks ago about the conference earnings call that you uh, were listening to, and that Bob Iger had called out Captain Marvel to make a billion dollars, and it just, you know. It's funny how that was the one of the movies that I just didn't think would make a billion yeah, dollars. Because you know, there were so many others that will make a billion yeah, dollars. Did, I just didn't think it would happen. Never deny the power that is Bob Iger. Uh, it's been out two weeks, right? Yeah. And it's, okay, it's, all, been, okay, yeah. And it's already going to push that envelope. Well, it's like it's been out two weeks. It opened to a massive $455 million global box office on the first week. And right now on its second week... It's at 740, 50, 60, 80, around no, 60, there. 61, 61, 761. Uh, right, million, right, right, yeah. right, right. And that right. Million, it's practically it, at, yeah. yeah, and that's that's insane. It, it almost yeah. doubled uh, its amount from the first week. Yeah, I mean, th- at that point, it's guaranteed to make a billion dollars. And I think reality is beginning to set in. How Disney is just going to devastate State. everybody. Yeah, it, it, it's exciting like, mean, because going back to the conference call, I mean, he named out six movies that is going to cross a billion dollars. That that's like unheard of from a from a. So it's very standpoint. clear the other ones are Avengers: Endgame, The yeah. Lion King, Frozen Two, Toy Story Four, and Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, By the way, a reminder: all those movies are coming out this year. Iger. Um, Iger got. Uh, although there could be a dark horse because uh, currently uh, the latest uh, trailer for Aladdin came out to kind of like answer uh, the response to uh, to the utter, utmost, oh, that's right. utmost hatred that came yeah. out with that. So I think that there is a dark horse uh, in the in the midst of all that with Aladdin. Mm. Um, you know what? Let's talk about that. Uh, you know what was funny? And I'm not because uh, um, last Friday there was explosive news, explosive news of James Gunn, and, and you were trying to like connect to the call, and uh, or maybe you had hung up at by that point, but Francisco had mentioned the new Aladdin trailer, uh-huh. and you know what was really funny is like every single last one of us trashed the last one, yeah, especially because of the horrible nightmarish CGI that was Will Smith genie. But you know what was interesting about this one? We were in the call, me, Peter Martinez, and, and David Francisco, and we were like, in almost complete agreement, that was actually a pretty good trailer. 
it was better. It was actually like fun. Like the the, what, the stuff that happened there um, was actually kind of funny. <laughs> like and not I mean not not, not like, it, hilarious. It actually shows but it was what good. kind of personality uh, Will Smith is going to bring to the mm-hmm. to the role of the genie. The effects definitely look better. Yeah, it d- definitely looks more polished, and I think that that's mm-hmm. what the marketing was like. Guys, we fucked up this time. Let's let's not repeat it. So I think that with with that being said, I think that uh, it it really lent itself to like better opportunities to improve upon the themselves. Yeah. Um. The, the we got a little bit of his friend like me and a little bit of part of your. I'm not part of your world. Uh, a whole new that world. that would be funny. So many that would be funny. So many. <laughs> Let me ask you world, this. Uh, songs. Yeah, songs. In the Disney Pantheon. I want to ask you this. Do you, because like for me and Peter anyway, um, I think just the, the curiosity of how accidentally hilarious Will Smith's performance could be is like driving us to see this movie. Oh, you guys are okay. So curiosity of, of, uh, of witnessing a dumpster fire, is is your driving force? Yeah, that's not necessarily the case. I think. I mean, it could actually be good. A moth. A moth. <laughs> Will to Smith the flame. could be entertaining. Will Smith could actually be entertaining in a movie. Go figure. It definitely looks like with the set pieces and all that stuff. I I I abhor the the performance that the actor that they that they got for Jafar. Oh my god! Everybody does. I abhor it I so much. He's a pip squeak. He's supposed to be an intimidating old old dude uh so i i absolutely abhor it but then uh it was announced uh that alan tudyk is gonna do the voice of uh iago yeah so that's a little interesting but there's like just little nuggets going about it i wanna what was it someone on twitter had pointed out that why does disney think um um why does disney confuse um uh, Indian with Arab, like they were, they were look, they were basically calling the the Aladdin trailer. Um, it looked like a Bollywood movie. I because uh, of the colors, I think is what it was. I I think that it lent. I think that with the it, it definitely shows itself in. Uh, Middle Eastern extravagance, I think, and I think that that Kyle, ch- can you check your mic? Something happened. What is it still recording your voice? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, yeah, I can hear you. It's just that there was a quick like change for like half a second, then went back to the normal. Oh, but it's fine. It's recording your voice. Yeah, yeah, everything okay. levels are, okay. are the same and everything. All right, continue. Um. I think that uh, it, it, like in terms of like art style and everything like that, I think that uh, that's what they were aiming for. I'm not necessarily sure it was it's like it's uh, it's Bollywood. I think that because Bollywood films uh, tend to be uh, extravagant and colorful and vibrant, I think that that's they had some they had a lot of color in some of those agribuses. And, and I think that that uh, because if you notice that some other uh, scenes like they're only showing the Prince Ali. Uh, scenes, mm-hmm. uh, and the obvious uh, uh, Prince Ali fabulous stuff, uh, and the street market chase, and th- those are like mm. the only two uh Agrabah scenes that we're getting. 
one is slightly more muted than the other, like in terms of like color. Um, so I think that, uh, Prince (coughs) Ali scene is going to be like extravagant in color and that's what it needs to be because he's going into the thing and he's presenting himself to the princess, you Mm. know? So I think that with the color, that being said with the color, uh, contrast, I think it's done on purpose, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see come May. Yeah, I think that'll definitely be very interesting to see what happens. All right, so I guess we're 20 whatever minutes into the show, but uh, to finally, you know, <laughs> announce what it is we're talking about today, we are going to discuss the extraordinary news that came out last Friday that James Gunn, the prodigal son, has been reinstated as the director, the rightful by birthright, director of Guardians of the Galaxy the Volume Three son has returned. Exactly, <laughs> um, which marks a major victory for the rehired James Gunn movement, and of course, uh, some people here on this channel that have been spearheading it on Red Spotlight Entertainment, uh, which is all of us really, um, and also Avengers Endgame. Yeah, you know. That movie's coming out. That old chestnut. Uh, right, right. It dropped another trailer. Yeah. Uh, this is called the like the official trailer. Um, like out of uh, nowhere for Avengers Endgame. Like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So, it came out of nowhere with the official um, theatrical poster. Right, right, right. And then uh, we'll close the show off with uh, Clark Gregg's recent comments about uh, Agents of Shield season seven being perhaps its final season. So that's our show today. Uh-huh. Episode 162 uh, on this lovely March year of 2019. And we are here in a... Um, I'm, I'm, it's almost kind of like in disbelief, Kyle. Again, like I mentioned earlier, you got this news on your birthday. I, uh, I, I love it. It's like, it's like a little... It's like an early birthday cake, and I just I just gobbled it up, and it was sweet. It was it was wonderful. It's uh, it's quite a con a uh, 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 contrast to because uh, me and my little sister have a common uh, common uh, uh, passion for the Guardians uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. and uh, he James Gunn was fired on my little sister's birthday. And he was rehired on my birthday, so it just a uh, weird, weird connection right there. But anyway, it was a wonderful birthday gift from the from the Mighty Mouse, uh, and I I just love the fact that you know yeah yes Guardian yeah because it was confirmed that they had the script that they mm-hmm. they pretty much bought James Gunn's script and they were going to use right. it. But the fact that he is going to direct it, Guardians Volume 3 has a solid chance and it would make a an amazing trilogy of uh of uh films from Guardians 1, 2 mm-hmm. and then 3 and then the fact that uh that most likely it's going to take place after the events of Endgame 
I I think that we're looking at some uh, some interesting uh, Guardians tidbits and all this stuff. And also, what's what's very interesting? Uh, do you want to dive into some Suicide Squad? Uh, we'll get it. We'll get into that a bit. I just want to make sure I catch people up to speed on some things. Um, because it has been quite some time. In regards to James Gunn, who is the filmmaker behind the Guardians of the Galaxy of Films of the Marvel Studios, that was uh fired uh last summer. Um, by and and this is the opinion section where um most of us on this network thought he was wrongfully fired. Yeah. Um, for the resurfacing of old tweets that joked about rape and pedophilia back in what over ten years ago, uh, and I believe the that tweets was tweets were specifically from 2012. They were from 2012, and uh, believe what was the the studio he was associated with? Uh, the shock because he was kind of a shock jock, right? Yeah. In, in a sense, like he was a comedian that was in a time and space where people would throw out jokes on Twitter. That of course uh, nowadays you okay, can't do that. Let's wind the clocks back of what Twitter was back. Back in the day, back in the day, mm-hmm. Twitter was a platform for uh, comedians and uh, comedic writers to test out material. And it was like pretty much like stand up on the Internet, you know, and people went mm-hmm. to this to like test out new material. They, they did. Like, what was the studio that James Gunn was associated with? Uh, I have no idea. Because that's when he made Slither, right? Is that uh, in other movies or? Yeah. Am I getting that confused? Well, Kyle's going to look that up. He's going to get the Google out there and he's going to tell us what exactly that is. But the point is, we believe that he was wrongfully fired because of several reasons. Disney had already known about these uh, tweets and James Gunn had already apologized for these tweets um, when he was hired to do the first Guardians movie back in, I believe, 2012, 2013. He had already been apologized, though they were never deleted to be fair about that. Other reasons why we felt that there was such a bullshit um, campaign was that Mike Cernovich, who, by the way, was also arrested for rape, um, uh, was the, one of the, the head alt-right uh, leaders that um, started this campaign with the intent of getting James Gunn fired, all because James Gunn was making anti-Trump tweets. Um, so there's there's your context. And then what happened is... He was fired almost immediately. This was happening the week before uh, 20th Century Fox and Disney had um, agreed to embark on their year-long closing of merging into each other. This happened essentially the week of Comic-Con. It was a very weird time. And then what followed were weeks of uh, angry, uh, angry backlash, an angry backlash that clearly Disney – and Alan Horn, who is the head of uh, the Walt Disney Studios, underestimated and then some. You had Dave Bautista, who plays Drax on the on in the film. Shout out in to open, Dave. He he really yeah yeah he definitely made a difference. You have Dave Bautista out there in open rebellion, hitting Disney with really below the belt attacks on social media in a relentless fashion. Practically begging to be fired, uh, and even saying so far in interviews that I don't even know if I want to work for Disney anymore after what they did with James Gunn. He was one of those fateful, or faithful, I should say, to the last. And even after then, what when there was a meeting after the entire cast had signed a letter they wanted James Gunn reinstated, Alan Horn and James Gunn met again. Alan Horn refused to reinstate James Gunn. A few months pass. 
James Gunn is offered a role to write and direct a new Suicide Squilm. Su- Squil? Squilm. Wow, that's another one. Well, this this guy, that's a classic. Suicide Squilm. Um, Suicide I'll just say Squad. Suicide Squad. Squad. A new Suicide Squad film for Warner Brothers and DC. Uh, and then even further along, uh, the process continues. There was a back and forth whether or not the script that James Gunn had written would be used or not for the other movie. Right. Um, and then we were hearing rumors and reports of uh, different kinds of directors that Disney was seeking to meet with to perhaps take over the film. All the while, on this show, on Red Spotlight, I was essentially burning an effigy every single podcast, yeah. every single week, because of these reasons, I think, for the outrage that I had for James Gunn being fired in such a wrongful way. And then, of course, even more so on the political ramifications of, of a company like Disney legitimizing people like Mike Cernovich and alt-right uh, terrorists, as I call them, for uh, being offended that somebody would be against President Donald Trump. I thought it was a bullshit move, and I thought it was a very, very uh, disgusting act to award those kinds of people. And that, for me, crossed an absolute line, and I made it clear. So here we are today— uh, he seemingly yes. Go ahead. He was uh, he was a frequent collaborator with uh, Trauma Entertainment. Yeah, if that's what it was. Is that what is that what was uh, what it was? Right. Uh, you want to explain to people what Trauma is? Oh, Trauma is like a, a B B film uh, <laughs> a studio, and it's uh, it was started by. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz in 1974, mm-hmm. and they do like low budget independent films and all that stuff, and that's where James Gunn got his start. Yeah, uh, but Trauma is out. Trauma is known for the kind of works that aren't exactly uh, kid friendly. Yeah, they did a movie called uh, Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, that that he uh, that he did. I don't know about other things. I mean, it, 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 he made a superhero comedy in 2000 called the uh, the specials. Uh, well, wrote it uh, with Rob Lowe and and uh, Judy Greer. Hmm. And then he did a short uh, short form series uh, for Spike dot uh, com, and it was called James Gunn's PG Porn. Yeah, I want to clear very clear. No one on this show ever defended uh, the content of the tweets that James Gunn had sent out um, uh, years and years ago. Um, but we defended him personally because he apologized for those tweets several times. And he had said in several of his statements that I'm not that person anymore. Um, or he wasn't that person anymore. And I think what this became a narrative about, and I think why it kind of like really became such a big thing for all of us is because this was the story of a man that had changed and you could tell that through the process of his films and his filmmaking the the, his movies the guardians movies and i'll let you give me a second kyle i'll let you talk about that in a bit but his movies essentially were the story of his redemption of his growth as a human being and his firing was I think in a lot of ways a rejection of people being allowed to grow and people being able to have second chances in life, which is exactly what James Gunn was living through. And here we are, seemingly against all odds. He is back 
at Marvel, at Disney. Alan Horn himself reversed the decision he made and reinstated James Gunn now as the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I never thought I would say these words. This is a complete surprise. I'll never forget the moment when Alexis Moreno shared that on The Messenger and me and Peter and every last one of us were completely stunned. This was not something that was expected, but make no mistake about it. This is a victory for James Gunn. It's a victory for second chances, and it's a victory because this man conducted himself in the absolute most professional manner, even after how many of us feel yeah. he was mishandled and mistreated in his casting out. He So dis- he is the winner of this hour. He disappeared off the face of the earth after that whole uh, uh, shebang. Uh Let's let's talk about the context within uh, mm-hmm. uh, context clues where you see the uh, James Gunn's personal growth. Let's talk. Let's talk about uh, the the character that he that he uh, that he composed uh, through through the veins of Marvel, and that is a uh, Star Lord. And you see him start off Star Lord as this huge kind of like man man baby kind of thing. And he, you see him grow from like this, this, uh, the swindler almost to becoming like this, you know, to becoming a hero, you know, in his own right. Uh, and you see him, uh, kind of mature throughout the whole entire thing to learn to be more, uh, more open to different, uh, different things, open possibilities and all that. And he, uh, you you saw that growth, and in a way, that's kind of like the 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 way that James Gunn uh, conducted himself throughout all these years. I mean, he started off doing like the most baseless, tasteless uh, 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 films, uh, albeit I've seen some of them, and they're pretty dang good. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's very it's very sleazy, very uh, very lowbrow, um, but nevertheless, it's good. Um, and he, uh, the way that he, he brought himself up from, from that and that he was like, you know, this is, this is who I am now. This is my identity. I, I am, you know, part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, world. And he, uh, after that, he really, uh, made it known that, Hey, I, I've learned the, the subject matter of this, uh, of this, uh, franchise and it's love, love trumps all you know and i i I think that uh because of that it it was really a growing experience with that and to shut him out completely is disgraceful because like what what does that say i mean you 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 fuck up once and you can't get back on the horse no you know you gotta let there there is a there is a right of second chances and uh and the guardians was a second chance for him and everybody, everybody shat, shat him out and, uh, didn't want him to be a part of that. So I think that with that being, uh, being the, the antithesis of him and what he does is that he, I, he really puts it off to the edge. And I think that this is, uh, him being hired back is a, a, a great, uh, a, a great thing because it shows that you know, hey, you know, second, second chances is what what needs to be done. Um, 
so I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's great that he's getting this this uh, second chance and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it it's hello. Are you having trouble? I'm back. Okay. All right. The bitch is back. Okay. You're saying so. <laughs> I. It, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just honestly glad that they, that he got it back. I mean, everybody and their, and their, uh, and their mothers was not like taking the job, uh, to, to replace James Gunn because it, it kind of sucks in the name of directors because, uh, especially like studio hired directors, uh, it, it kind of, his firing showed that anybody is expendable and, uh, for him to be brought back, it really shows like, cause Taika Waititi was like saying no, other, other directors were saying no. Um, uh, which by the way, we should mention that flies in the face of the official report that came out. I want to make this very clear, you know, um, this moment, I'm happy, Ellen Horn, and I'm happy that Disney made this decision, but we have to appreciate Part of the reason why we're shocked, Disney never does stuff like this. They never course correct. Yeah. No matter what, you know, where the chips may fall, they never put themselves in a position in which they would even consider the notion of admitting they were wrong. The mouse has a and, big and ego. A, they, they do, they do. And that's why... Uh, in the in the months following, and then obviously the searches that didn't go the right way as they had expected, uh-huh. we had been asking ourselves, is it just likely that this movie just won't get made if they can't find anybody to direct it? And what I meant about the report, the official report when the story broke, this was not so one of those things that Disney uh, announced on their Twitter page, say like, yay, we got James Gunn back. Look at how great it is. No. You'll not, you know, you won't find an official press release from their office on online. They uh, translated the message to one of their uh, favorite reporters. I think it was in Variety that the story broke, and the report had detailed that in fact Alan Horn, the uh, chief of the Walt Disney Studios, had made the decision months ago to rehire James Gunn, uh-huh. and and um. And that um, they were never, and they stressed this in the report, that they were never actually looking for other directors. Two things. While you and I are definitely grateful that Alan Horn changed his mind and saw the error of his ways, at the end of the day, we got what we wanted. James Gunn is back. Uh-huh. You and I both know that report is absolute hogwash. It's absolute hogwash because... You don't just invent rumors. We know, because we've covered it on this show, that at the very least, Taika Waititi was asked to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Like that's 3. the only one who was like that was uh, that was on the table uh, negotiated with, and Taika was. He like, had a meeting. He had a meeting, and we know why. It's not just because of rumors, which we covered, but it, because he himself made statements that are on the record that you can go read for yourself right now in which he reveals he was approached to do Guardians 3. Yeah. 
Like he, we know this happened. Like he was, uh, like he was invited to some premiere. I think some junction of uh, of Marvel last year. I think for Ant Man right. and the Wasp. I think for Ant Man and the Wasp, and he was like, by that point, Gun was still was still there. By the way, I don't what Ant Man and the Wasp came out before James Gunn was fired. Okay, some some Disney venture, and then he was like saying, yeah, yeah. I was asked. Let, yeah, yeah. Let me Google. Let me Google. Kyle, Kyle, will, Kyle will bring up those comments of Taika Waititi again. For those that don't know, that is the director of Thor Ragnarok. And he was one of the many that were considered to be a favorite to take over from James Gunn. Because I guess they had a penchant for comedy, which I think uh, was kind of a misguided approach. But that, I think, flies in the face of the report. And I think almost renders it completely irrelevant because there we it wasn't just Taika Waititi we know people who are you know uh close in the industry like uh, John Campia who personally knows people that had met with Disney and that they were searching for people and I think at the end of the day what this comes down to and I think you'll agree I, I, don't, I don't I don't know what you'll say about this Kyle but it just seems to me that they couldn't find anybody to take this movie they could not find a single person that they wanted to say yes to directing Guardians 3 because of how they were in complete opposition of what that company did to James Gunn and how it wouldn't feel right. This was director solidarity, um, if you ever saw anything like that. and um, Okay, there was, it's, there was reports of, uh, of uh, Taika joining uh uh guardians three all the way back to august 25th it wasn't until january where he said no i'm not doing this shit yeah yeah okay and of course yeah we we were covering that all the way along so like and we, we even discussed on some episodes the possibility of travis knight directing this movie so it's like it's it's not it hasn't been a secret so and by the way What's also hard to believe is that this was settled with months ago. You want to know why? There are several reasons. First of all, why would you allow Dave Bautista to thinking ramp, that James to ramble on, <laughs> uh, completely blacklisting your your company uh, if there was no actual confirmation? He would have shut up about that. Ages ago, had that been the case, right? But right, because Disney, the number one thing that Disney hates is bad publicity. They hate it. They absolutely loathe it. So for that to uh, come forth, it doesn't matter if even if it's fake, uh, uh, bad publicity. They hate bad publicity nonetheless. Especially one that's damaging to, damaging to their brand and the, the attacks that Dave Bautista was launching on what seemed like a weekly, if not daily, basis on Twitter were damaging attacks that resonated because people were angry. Yeah. They had underestimated this backlash entirely. They thought if they swept this under the rug, it was going to go away, and it didn't because the cast came out, Dave Bautista came out, and you can't tell me that Jay, that there was never a firing or that this had been settled months ago when that was out in the ether. Also, D- 
Disney is a very egotistical company. Why would they allow one of their golden geese to go over to Warner Brothers and do a comic book DC film for the Suicide Squad? Which it's funny because he started off when he was uh, when he was fired uh, by uh, by Disney. He started off his net worth with twenty million dollars. Now he's a forty million dollar worth man uh, because of the Suicide Squad. announcement and the guardians of the galaxy volume three so he he dealt with this whole bullshit he doubled his price he won the big winner in the end in so many ways because not only this not only is he getting an extra huge paycheck uh-huh. for suicide for the suicide squad just also in the news it uh, the report called it suicide squad too it's it's being ca- it's called the Suicide Squad, and it's going to be a reboot. Yeah, or it's being treated as reboot. Because like, but because uh, uh, Will Smith, the the number one telling point is that Will Smith left as Deadshot, and a lot of other people left as well. Um, but the thing is, though, um, the Suicide Squad, uh, he's going to get paid for that. He's also going to get paid for doing Guardians Three. But he also, by the way, Disney paid him when they fired him. Because that was a breach of contract. Yeah. And they were still going to use this script. So they still, I mean, if you, I don't know how many paychecks James Gunn got out of all of this, but at the end of the day, he is the big winner in so many ways. Not just in a financial aspect, but think about how much his, his, uh, his national profile has risen. Not only in our community, but in all over, in all over um, this country, and I mean, even uh, outlets like the Young Turks, uh, the Young Turks TYT, which is a political progressive outlet, was covering this story because of the political ramifications that were involved in this story. This was a huge story, and for James Gunn to come out of this as basically the champion is incredible. And by the way, as I've been saying, don't think Disney also can't see the benefits of this as well. Guardians 3 was always going to be an event movie. Yeah. After the two films and after Infinity War and Endgame. Especially now. Especially after now, Infinity War. Yeah, this right here, everybody's going to flock to it to see what yeah. the hell becomes of all this. Yes. Curiosity yes. Even alone na- yeah. is going to drive them yeah. to the seats. And shit, if if people like if people underestimated Captain like you, like you, no no fault of your own. They they underestimated mm-hmm. the power of Captain Marvel uh, right, right. uh reaching uh reaching a billion dollars. Look at the potential with the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Right, right. So, I I, <sighs> I mean, I think for me right now it's a guaranteed billion dollar movie. Guaranteed because of this entire debacle. And, you know, this also helps the Suicide Squad. And it also helps their cast because on the press junket, there won't be any awkward questions hopefully now anymore. Uh, James Gunn is kind of like the most wanted man in Hollywood right now. Right, right. And don't forget the movie that he's producing Bright Burn. this year, Bright Burn. Yeah. So with Sony. So like really in a lot of ways, James Gunn's future is looking bright and who knows, even though Kevin Feige a few weeks ago says that the James Gunn uh, reports of him being a grand architect for the cosmic cinematic universe going forward were exaggerated. I don't believe him. And now that he's back at Marvel, he, he could be right back there. And just think of the, just think of the ramifications of that. 
Taika Waititi, the brain brains of Taika Waititi and James Gunn, there's going to be some weird shit. And I mm-hmm. think that the future of the MCU is by the way bright. I had a I had a, a, a bright fantasy, burn, if you will. Right. I had I had a fantasy MCU movie with so many uh, eccentric characters. Um, in my head, I want to tell you the characters that I would love to have in the movie. Okay. So in my head, I was thinking of what would a Thor Ragnarok 2 look like with Taika Waititi, right? Uh, Technically he Thor he, 4. No, it is Thor 4, but he, he says that he wants he doesn't want to make Thor 4. He said he wants to make Thor Ragnarok, Ragnarok 2. 2. So my idea of what that movie would look like is including these characters. You're going to have Thor back. You're going to have Tessa Thompson back as the Valkyrie. You bring back Jamie Alexander as Lady Sif. Uh-huh. Um, again, I don't know if Thor survives Endgame, but let's just say he does. There was some magic with Brie Larson. I wouldn't be opposed oh, with having Brie Larson okay. in this movie you, with a uh, Carol Danvers. You caught my attention. Uh huh. Um, you know, of course, we're gonna have Peter Dinklage back as uh Dimitri. Uh-huh. Uh, you're gonna have Korg and Meek back in this. Um, they're going to have the Hulk because the Hulk by that point, as we think he'll be separated from, uh, Mark Ruffalo and he'll be his own entity. Going to have the Hulk back in this and you're going to have sweet, sweet rabbit rocket. The raccoon and Groot are going to be in this movie. And you know what else? Because Carol's in the movie, let's bring in Kalos. Let's bring in goose the cat. Yeah. Let's bring in Howard the duck. Let's get crazy with this shit. Let's make it even weirder. And you know what the villains are going to be? It's going to be. A tag team team up of Benicio del Toro's the collector, Jeff Goldblum's the grandmaster, and let's throw in Aisha and the Sovereign there as well. That's just a fantasy movie that made for a disaster, a, but that just sounds amazing. It's gonna be a funkified me. disco nineties. <laughs> Can you imagine that movie though? I mean, that I would pay money to see that movie. That sounds incredible. Quil- uh, uh, Rocket steals Quill's uh, Zune. There you go. There's right. the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Shit. That 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 I you know that's like shrooms without the side effects. Think of the merchandise you can sell though. You can have more Goose the Cat, Goose uh, the Cat plushes, Howard the Ducks, more Groot. Like, imagine the the Rocket the Wreck. <laughs> Just seeing all those things together. Yeah. In, in the same screen, Bradley um, Cooper. Yep. 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 Um, so that's what I was thinking of, but you know, this is just so, this is the best kind of good news that we haven't had all year. You know, this is the best news we've had. All Can you imagine year. the re- remaining, uh, uh, as guardians with the scrolls? That would be fun. That would be fun. And, 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 uh, I don't know what happens to the Asgardians after Endgame. I don't know what happens to Thor. There were rumors that Chris Hemsworth is done after Avengers Endgame. I don't believe that. I I have a hard time believing that because he's become a rock star in the cinematic Hell universe. Yeah, he's become a rock like, star. Shit, man. I like. What? What is this? Sorry. He has become. Oh my god. Um, he has become a rock star uh, in this. And also just some rumors that I just uh, I guess we're breaking today um, about the Black Widow movie. 
there is no official confirmation whether or not it's going to be a prequel or if it's going to take place after Avengers 4. If there's going to be a Black Widow movie, I don't need any more origin stories. I think it could, I, I I think just, it could be a sequel to Endgame slash throw in some, some uh, flashback elements. Yeah, maybe, but I don't need an origin story of Black Widow. Oh, no. I no, really that's don't. why I was like, yeah. it could be a, right, a right. sequel, but just sprinkle in flashback elements. Right. But I mean, I think that's... A, so, you don't buy that Chris Hemsworth is done, but what if he is? If he is, that means that this is his last movie, right? And this is why it's conflicting. Think about the the arc he is in as a character. Yeah. He's lost everything. Everything. Like, what does he have left to lose? Nothing. That's the mark of a character that's going to make a sacrificial play. You think about it. Well, to be fair, we have like several gazillion characters that could be potentially on the chopping block. I mean, after fucking Mm -hmm. Infinity War, who the fuck knows anymore, to be honest? No, no one really knows, Um, which I think is a great segue into Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Which dropped uh, its official full-length first trailer. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it is the last trailer we're going to see for Avengers Endgame. Yeah. I saw a post, I think, today on the Russo Brothers um, that said that they were the marketing campaign for Avengers Endgame was largely inspired from The Empire Strikes Back and how they loved... Uh, the fact as, uh, you know, as young people back in when the movie came out that they got to go see a movie that they didn't even know what, what the was going to happen next. About. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, before we get into the trailer, what have you made of the marketing campaign for the Avengers Endgame from the teasers to the TV spots and then this trailer? Or lack thereof. Um, <laughs> we got a look at the characters on a, on Orville Redenbacher. Mm-hmm. So everybody was like, oh, my God, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, everybody's like grasping for straws, trying to figure. People are salivating. Tr- they're frothing at the mouth for this. Movie, trying to Kyle. figure out how this movie is going to work. We got mm-hmm. a slight taste of it. Spoilers. Uh, we got a slight taste of uh, of what what's in store for us in uh, Captain Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, everybody doesn't know jack shit. And right. that's amazing because you got to think about how how many like a uh, uh, trapeze acts, uh, tightrope uh, acts that you have to do uh, in in this day and age because of all the internet that's going on. And I think that with that being said, because uh, we live in the age of internet superhighway, and uh, to have a uh, Everybody not knowing jack shit, other than spoilers that Tony Stark eventually meets with the with the Avengers again, mm-hmm. uh, as we see in the in the trailer. Uh, Which did you mind that moment? No, no, I, I I knew it. I knew that he was gonna meet up with the with the originals right. uh, some way right. somehow. Um, but just just seeing just seeing that uh, uh, them together and. Uh, everything like that was was great, but I I think that you know just the fact that we're going in completely fresh is kind of refreshing. 
I mean, and again, it's not like we have like no clue. I mean, maybe we have next to no clue, but we do have some ideas. Yeah. And we look at this trailer. Um, first of all, I thought um, thought it was uh, kind of clever to begin with, uh, uh, you know, kind of footage of Iron montage. Man, uh, Captain America, and Thor. And I think it, it, it's great because it reminds you of the journey that has been the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. You and I just did an audio commentary for Iron Man. By the way, we're doing audio commentaries for all the MCU films in the Red Spotlight feed. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. For all of the anticipation of Avengers Endgame. And I think in large part, it was sparked by this trailer reminding us of just how long of a journey this has been. A journey that began back in 2008 is closing. And to begin the trailer in that way reminds you um, how much... How invested you really are in these characters. Uh So much so that... um, By the way... The projections right now have this at uh, at least a $265 million opening weekend. What the fuck? Which, which would set the all-time record. There was one um, wacky projection that said it could go as high as $285 million opening weekend. That is massive. Who knows? Maybe it might be Titanic. I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but I mean, this probably would it's gonna be... going to seek the Titanic again. <laughs> oh, God. This would be the biggest movie of all time. And in a lot of ways, it does feel like it's, we're walking into the biggest movie of all time with this with this trailer. But you know what? I'm actually happy they've been restrained. Yeah. And I actually, believe it or not, I'm quite satisfied with the little that we've that we've uh, been given by Because I thought what would have happened was I thought that we were going to get a trailer uh, come like ticket, Infinity War? ticket sales. Uh-huh. I thought that's when we were going to get it. So there's speculation there might still be another Big Bang trailer. Might. Uh, might. Right. But it is. There's no guarantee. But it is confirmed that there's a placeholder uh, 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 spot for ticket sales. It's not open yet. But it's on your sites. Right. It's on uh, Cinemark. It's on Fandango. Um, and the time is 180 minutes, which clocking which in, is? that's exactly three hours. We're getting a three-hour movie. I, can you believe it? I'm going to wear a fucking catheter. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get a three-hour movie for Avengers Endgame. I could not be more ecstatic. That that's That's insane. That's the longest MCU movie, huh? Yeah, I mean that'll that'll be the longest blockbuster in a theater since what? Lord of the Rings? Avatar. Was Avatar three hours? Avatar was pressing three hours. Yeah, hold on. Let me. Holy crap! Let me fact check. Yes, uh, uh, Kyle is on the Googles tonight. Um, The Googles. He's the Google machine. It's two hours and forty-two minutes. Yeah, which is longer than Infinity War and The Last Jedi. I mean, Infinity War and The Last Jedi uh, are some of the longest blockbusters. They're exactly the same amount of like runtime. Like two and a half hours is really, really pushing it. Three hours! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so freaking excited. Let me ask you, Kyle. 
What were some of your favorite shots um, uh, of this trailer? Fuck, there's so many. Uh, first of all, uh, Bree's number one fan. Let me let me let me talk about that. Oh, the the moment with Thor and Brie Larson. Yeah, it, it was great. Him like kind of testing testing her like I guess like chutzpah. Uh, I I really like the whole like she's silent. She's silent. The the her him fetching a Stormbreaker didn't phase her one the girl in impressed yeah yeah bde google it uh i i think uh i think there was uh there's a lot of stuff going on uh i i really liked war machine and rocket oh love it that give me a shot of rocket on anybody's shoulders smiling with a handgun and i'm there <laughs> there it is there it is it's it, it there it is um, kind of is kind of violent bloodthirsty and you know what he it, it looks like he's going to be like ultra ultra rocket mode cuz he oh by he the way lost it, he lost his his metaphorical son I think we actually have um, – we can actually confirm some things that we had been speculating the last time we, you and I had discussed this, which was after the big game uh, in our podcast um, uh-huh. of the – of the I think it was a 30-second TV spot that they had. So I think uh, we see in this – not only do we – in this trailer do we see that uh, Nebula and Tony make it back, obviously, to the Avengers compound. Uh-huh. But we see the Benatar – Descending on Earth on a darkened New York City, which means Nebula and Tony. And then in the big game the um, be- TV spot. The Benatar is in fucking Earth. Right, right, right. God. But then we, we see in, by the way, the Benatar is the craft of the Gardens of the Galaxy, for those that are aware. Also, it, used to be called the, it used to be called the Milano, but now it's called the Benatar. Also my car. Okay. Um, and then in the big game TV spot, we saw Captain America, um, Black Widow, Hulk, and, and Rhodey rush out of the compound, and they saw something in the sky. We thought that could have been Captain Marvel, but spoiler alert for Captain Marvel at the uh, post-end credits scene, we see the, the instant that she appears before yeah. them. And now, so, connecting the dots, it was Tony. Imagine that moment in the theater. Because you, you see Captain America front right there. And imagine when the, when the ship opens and Tony and Steve reunite for the first time since Civil War under those circumstances. Yeah. Just imagine that moment. It's going to be huge. And I can't wait. I... I uh... I just, I just want it like tomorrow or now. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know. But uh, alas, we have auto commentaries to get through. So thank God we have time in between. Um, we got plenty of, uh, we got plenty of they, auto commentaries to get through. The, I'm, I'm gonna assume that those are the quantum realm suits that they're wearing. I mean, th- there's nothing else it would be, of course. For those of us who follow this world closely, we've been hearing a lot of whispers and rumors. That the film will deal very heavily with time travel. Yeah. Now here's a theory. Here is a theory that is going out, and I think this also brings in the question of how big of a role Thanos even plays, which I don't even know at this point. But there is a possibility. There is a big climax with Thanos involved. 
we know that there has to be the because uh, there be. they're like the way that uh, Josh Brolin described it and like many other reports is that you know there there's a big moment in the in the Avengers film that he's working on where he where he's uh where he's with uh Chris Hemsworth uh Robert Downey Jr Chris Evans Brie Larson uh, uh and multiple other characters so you know what that could possibly mean we're going to get fucking everybody well if that's the case, we did see shots in this trailer of uh, a bludgeoned or bloody Captain America, yeah, uh, getting ready to make a play of some sort, which was really interesting. Here's what I, here's a theory, that's and going he's on. trembling, and, he's scared. Yes, here is a theory that is going on, and I'm gonna use what you had said to tie it in. So, it's entirely possible that Thor and Captain Marvel find Thanos on his planet on his farm. And try and make him give him the gauntlet and reverse what had happened. The the Grusos said in the commentary of Infinity War that the gauntlet is permanently damaged. Which means it's useless. Which means it cannot be undone. And at that point is when the the failure, the depression sets in, they go back to Earth, years go by, and then out of nowhere, Scott Lang appears. And, and by the way, it could actually be years until Tony makes it back to Earth on the Banatar. It's not a guarantee how yeah, long it takes. The, the ultimate uh, timestamp in this uh, in this trailer is fucking Natasha's hair. Yes, yes, right. How many how, how many different hairstyles? Like did somebody we have counted, and it was like seventeen. Oh wow! Agent Romanoff always, you know, trying to out class everybody else no but she has obviously she has the platinum short hair from when we see her in infinity yeah. war she also that was has at the end a, credits of a uh, of a uh, captain marvel. captain marvel we saw her with longer hair uh with blonde roots but with red and then at the end of the uh, and then we even saw her with completely red hair uh-huh and then, then it's in a bun or something like that braid whatever you call it it's good it's, it, it, yeah. it's good. Right. So it helps. It, it helps to also. I mean, don't we also in the end credit scene? Cap still has the beard, right? Yeah, but I think that's like earlier on. Yeah, it's very earlier on. So a lot of things are being manipulated with us in time. But then years later, Scott Lang appears out of the quantum realm. Yeah, he tells them of the quantum realm. Then they go into the quantum realm into different. I think you can see a combination of maybe time travel and then also the multiverse happen. And then what could happen later in the film is Thanos finds out that they're trying to undo it. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not happening. And he follows them into the quantum realm. And then there's a massive confrontation, like the size of the Big Bang. Uh Um, I I could just imagine that said I said it before, but, you know, uh, some actors, you know, their their contracts are not done yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I, I think I said it on this podcast, but uh, James Spader, uh, he has one more film in his contract. So this could be that film. There is talk. I saw a rumor that I refuse to read, but there is talk of a surprise villain. But that should be expected because we know the surprises in this movie are going to be infinite. And we're not going to expect many of them. Surprises like, oh, Red Skull is alive. Yeah. That's, like, that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen in this movie. I can't 
freaking wait for this movie. Um, God. And of course the score. Oh God. <laughs> Magnificent. A lot of people are saying that this is, uh, Alan Silverstreet's, uh, finest yet. This would be the third Avengers movie that he scores. Um, Oh God, his score with Infinity War was outstanding. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this one. I can't wait to see this movie. When the tickets go on sale, I'm 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 thinking I need to buy at least the first four nights. Like boom, boom, boom. There you go. Bada bing, yeah. bada boom. Yeah. I I I might you know what? I might just skip class. Forget this shit. Um this is too massive of a moment. I, uh, in time. Honestly, that whole week, I'm just going to be numb. I, I wouldn't be able to do anything. I'll just be like, uh, I, I'm probably going to have to go on a social media hiatus. Didn't you say Infinity War gave you an anxiety? Oh, attack? my God. It, like, did it ever. <laughs> and then after that, while I was watching the dusting scene, I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I couldn't feel anything. Oh, I couldn't feel anything. So imagine how uh, Endgame is going to uh, turn out and boil down. I'm just like, oh, my God. I don't think because I stopped because uh, I usually get popcorn and all that stuff. I would I, 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 I only finished like like a quarter of my popcorn. And you said it aside. And I set it aside because I couldn't eat anything. Like I was like so like anxiety driven. Right. So, yeah, I just end game, end game. I I I can't wait. I, I I can't. I literally can't wait. I'm like antsy for it. Uh, and then to see everybody, to see everybody, and uh, and apparently like Stan Lee has a huge moment in this one too. So I, it's just an accumulation of different things and. Uh, it's gonna be um, a moment in time because you've been a moment in time. You've been with this franchise since 2012. I've been with this since 2008, buddy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, it's a phenomenal moment for both of us, and I can't, I can't wait. Oh my god! Woo. Um, and uh, before we close today, I want to remind everyone that uh, we are going to do all of these freaking movies for the audio commentary on the feed for this podcast. Iron Man is live right now. It's up up there. Uh, Uh, A minor uh, show note, uh, start it when uh, the Marvel logo appears. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's an audio commentary, audio feed, start up the movie and then sync it up and it should be pretty easy to follow along. With uh, with the movie, and also before we close, I want to remind. Uh, uh, no, I want to. Um, our final topic or story of the day is I think it was on some news uh, network that Clark Gregg had gone on uh, to promote both Captain Marvel and the upcoming sixth season of Agents of Shield on ABC. Yeah, which I believe they've confirmed is going to come back in May. Yeah, right after uh, Avengers Endgame. It's a thirteen episode May, season. Get it. Yes, of course, May. Uh, and it's supposed to be taking place sometime after the end of season five. I don't know, sure how long. Someone said a year after season, after Avengers Endgame. Who really knows? Um, and of course, season seven 
is in barely beginning production right now. Uh, is not expected to be tied to season six. It's going to be an entirely separate season. And by all indications, it definitely is looking like it's going to be the last season. Uh-huh. Clark Gregg had said on several interviews that uh, both season six and seven were picked up at the same time, though only six was announced publicly. Seven was announced later on last year. And he referred to season seven as the seventh and final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and for me, as someone who has literally been fighting tooth and nail um, to keep the show alive year and year after year. Oh, I yes. Have to say, the efforts of the show coming back is under one Alexis Soto and Alexis Soto alone. Well, I mean, I I, I certainly wouldn't think that um, I the, the mentality of I alone can fix it um, is one that I espouse to. Um, when I ever take credit for certain things, of course, I mean, there's an intention behind that, that that shouldn't be taken all that seriously. It, it it's, a uh, it's a fan base. It's, it's a small but active fan base. And this show has its fans worldwide. And I think time and time again, the fans are the reason why the show has continued to survive this long. And the fact that it has seven seasons is a miracle a miracle that a show that has been on the bubble for cancellation year after year, a show that is uh, a show that I just completely adore, and to think that it's ending, um, I think people might think that I uh, that it, I may be upset at it. I am completely at peace with it ending because seven I am at is. Peace. Oh my god, is that supposed to be fucking Tia Dalma from Dead Man's Chest? Yeah, no, uh, at World's End, but yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. But I'm completely at peace with it ending um, because I am incredibly proud of what this series has accomplished and how long it's been able to withstand so much negativity. I've often compared this show um, as. Um, you know, the Bernie Sanders of network television um, doesn't get covered. Yes. Not taken seriously. The 1%. Often dismissed. Um, but, you know, uh, given recent data and given recent, uh, you know, renewals, I am fully uh, um, happy with season seven being a closer for the series. If you look at Historically speaking, shows that end at seven kind of end at their peak. Yeah. Um, and I'm incredibly excited to see what Jed uh, Whedon and Marissa Tancherowin have in store for these last two seasons with this amazing uh, cast of people and maybe even a family. Because I think what, for me, some of the best television shows that, that you can consume are when the cast really feels like a family unit. And, and you know, it's not just on the show, but the actors themselves really do see themselves as a family. Uh, and that's, I think, part of what makes the magic of this series work more so than just being bonus content for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, especially also with Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg has been playing this character for over 11 years now, on the big screen and on the small screen. You got to think that after some time, he might want to be like, okay, guys, maybe it's time for me to kind of, I don't know, 
hang up the hat here and let someone else uh, uh, take over. So it, I think it also is another representation of where uh, one of these things that has been such a huge part of my life in pop culture, one of the, you know, a TV show and a movie that is also culminating in another conclusion. It is going to be a long year. Uh, we mentioned in the Fantasy Fair podcast that uh, the equivalent of that, uh, one of Alexis Moreno's favorite shows, Arrow, uh, and Gotham are also ending. So a lot of things are coming to a close around this time. Um, and uh, it's rather interesting uh, how that happens. But as far as where its place is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm incredibly proud of what they've accomplished. I love these characters. I love the cast members, and um, I'm, I, I completely support whatever they decide to do with the series. But it feels right, though. It feels like this is the time to kind of bring th- bring things to a close. Um, I think some of my favorite shows of all time have ended with seven. I think of The Golden Girls, seven seasons. I think of Parks and Recreation, seven seasons. Um that's, I think, one of the best. I remember asking Kyle years and years ago, Kyle, your favorite show when uh, back in 2014, 2013, uh, when we were kind of like, you know, really, really diving ourselves into all of these huge things in pop culture. Your favorite show at the time was The Walking Dead. And I had asked you, what season would you prefer them to stop to bring the show to a close? And you said season seven would be a nice number of seasons to stop. Um, is that show still going? Yeah, it's still, it's still going on. <laughs> uh, I, catch, I catch up with it once in a while. How is it doing? It's doing pretty good. It's doing pretty good. Uh, uh, Does it feel like a show that should have ended years ago? Yes and no, because like mm. there, there's a, there's a, they almost oh. have a completely new cast. Yeah. So it kind of like soft rebooted itself when uh, Angela Yang came out. Oh, so like Once Upon a Time season seven? Kind of, but it's like good. And and uh, Judith is kind of taking up the mantle of uh, of Rick, kind of. Yeah, that's the thing. That's also another thing. Had If S.H.I.E.L.D. had gone on for a season eight or a season nine, at that point, you would have had to start replacing yeah, like Clark Gregg and 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 uh, Ming Na Wen and like have, get some other people in there. Like have the offspring of uh, of uh, some of these characters in there. Yeah, and that would have, well, you know, it would have been nice. It's it's it just would not would have been the the core characters that you that you. And it's not the show. That and it would have been a, a very different. But it's show Agents of point. Shield, not Agents of Coulson, right. May, Fitz, whatever. You know, I, I I see what you're saying, but for a lot of us, Agents of Shield are these click of people, and while there is definitely opportunity for different you know agents to you know be new faces of it, uh-huh. uh, a lot of people synonymously associate Clark Gregg, Agents of Shield, Chloe Bennett, Agents of Shield. It's just, you know, it's it's hard to continue on with the show once you lose the characters that made the show what they are. Um, right. Anyway, though, it's uh, it's going to be an emotional year. And I'm just thinking to myself, God, if How to Train Your Dragon made me weep 
And that was something that I love, but not love nearly as much as I could just imagine myself in watching Endgame or watching the last episode of Shield, just like, oh my god, I'm old. <laughs> not as old as Alexis, of course. I mean, we'll never be that old. Wow. I mean, oh my god, seriously. Um, so bittersweet, bittersweet things here. Again, we got an unexpected gift with Guardians. Guardians 3, of course, will be the close of uh, the James Gunn trilogy. Um, they probably will continue with the Guardians franchise, but it will be a completely different roster um, after 3. Because they had already confirmed that 3 will be the final chapter for some of these characters. Uh-huh. Um, so we're about to enter a era of change, but whether it be Guardians 3 or Avengers Endgame or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Spider-Man Far From Home or any other project, um, I'm happy that there are still some things left in Marvel that I can get excited for. Um, and even not in Marvel, when you look at the status of superhero movies, when you look at Aquaman and Captain Marvel making a billion dollars... These um, question: Do you, you know, think they're going to re uh, re uh, replace uh, Amber Heard? No, 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 no. I mean, okay. I am not too well versed as to what happened there with John Depp and Amber Heard in, in recent revelations, um, but I don't. I think it's it's still for many people going to be an open ended situation. All right. So it, I don't, I don't believe Amber Heard will be uh, hurt by what has come to light, um, which is, I mean, different, different stuff. Um, but I think really, when you think about this, it, it, it's kind of an exciting time again, a little bit for comic book films. And I'm actually, while I'm still happy, there are some things that are closing for Marvel. There's a lot of brand new horizons that I'm excited about at DC. Aquaman uh, made a billion dollars and Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. So these movies are not going to go away anytime soon. Uh-huh. They're just getting bigger and bigger. Shazam's going to come out next month. I'm excited for Shazam. You have the Suicide Squad, the Batman, Birds of Prey. It's a lot of really exciting, fun films um, that are taking, I think, a, a, an approach. I think I'm going to say this right now. I think you never thought I would love to see, that you'd love to see the, to hear these words. The approach that DC is taking with their films right now is what Marvel Studios should be doing, and that is handling each project individually and assigning it to be a director-driven movie. That's what should be happening. So, um, but either way, here we are. Here we are with movies. Um, Before we close... Before we close, uh, yes, toast to these wonderful movies. Uh, before we close, I want to make sure to catch the Fantasy Fair. That's, if I'm not mistaken, uh, are you on hiatus or when do you come no, back? What's your next we show? Back. Uh, last episode was Captain Marvel. Uh, before that, mm-hmm. we did Sword in the Stone and all that shit. Gotcha, gotcha. What's up next? Uh, we're doing. Uh, we're looking at firework displays. <laughs> Uh, throughout oh, the entire history oh. of uh, of uh, of Disneyland, and of course, uh, come Dumbo, we're gonna review Dumbo. 
and whenever the remakes come out, we're going to be doing its counterparts. Has there already been a Once Upon a Retrospect for the original Dumbo film? Mm-hmm. That was one of the first ones okay. we did. Okay, great, great. Maybe it'll be on as a rerun. Yeah. In addition to the uh, just, uh, review go, of the live go, action. Go listen to that. Wait for the review. Good day. <laughs> Good day, sir. And then, of course, here on Red Spot Entertainment, we have the audio commentaries for all the Marvel movies, MCU mm-hmm. movies specifically. So uh, we're going to be doing that. Uh, and yeah. I'll- oh, also some uh, more programming updates. I forgot to, to tell you um, or to tell to the audience here. Um, upcoming episodes, Peter Martinez has notified me that he is in the final stages of finalizing his list of top 10 favorite movies for the year of 2018. Good God. So he tells, he tells me that we are, uh, very close to having our long awaited episode where all of us presents our top 10 films of 2018. By the way, it's almost April. <laughs> As you predicted off. Right. Off Mike. Uh, I, that's what I thought was going to happen, and here we are. Also, some other programming um, notes. Uh, we will, Peter and I, whenever we get a chance to do uh, the episodes again, when he gets his stuff back in order, we will touch on the Academy Awards. Um, as we, we It, it, it kind of was a non-issue at the end of the day for a lot of us, but we'll discuss what um, ramifications uh, it has for the film industry when we get to it. Uh, kind of an update. The Fox merger with Disney has officially closed. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's that. And Peter and I will be giving an in-depth review of, um, the documentary Leaving Neverland, the four hour Leaving Neverland. Both he and I watched it and, um, both he and I have the same harrowing, disturbing, um, experience watching that. I'll tell you that from my, from my perspective. Um, Leaving Neverland has been one of the hardest watches I've ever had to see of any movie. Um, again, nothing is shown because there's, there's no evidence of anything in terms of like like photographic evidence, but there is disturbing imagery that is painted that um, will leave emotional scars on you. So those are some things that you can expect from us in the future, hopefully, when we get um, things back up and running. But... <clears throat> Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to this show. Uh, thank you, Kyle, for joining me. And also want to thank you for letting me be on the Captain Marvel Captain Marvel review, which you can also catch on right now on the feed, as well as the Iron Man audio commentary and uh, so many others. Uh, and until next time, bye-bye. Adios.